All right. It looks like, yeah, they're ready. They're ready to come back in. Catherine, Catherine, do you have those uh, calculations for us? We, we need the, the re-entry calculations. The re-entry calculations? I got that. I got that. Let me, uh, hold on, hold on. Are they all the way over there? Oh. Catherine, you know, we, I, don't have, we don't have time. They're, they're coming in now. And those calculations are all the way on the other side of the room, right by the bathroom that I can't use. What do you want me to do about it? Oh, you could simply open it up. I mean, I've been waiting all day to use the bathroom. <sighs> this shit again. Okay, fine. You can use the bathroom, Catherine. Are you happy? Oh, thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you, sir. Thank well, you, you, sir. You want these calculations? We, yes, you know what? These, calcu these calculations are... Look at this envelope. This envelope is so busted. You want a gold-plated envelope, Catherine? Is that what you're asking for? I'm just asking what, for what you have. Manila is fine. Fine. Somebody get her a Manila envelope. Is there anything, is there anything else I can do for you, Catherine, while well, honestly, the, the, honestly, the space race is, is hanging in the balance? Well, now that we're asking, and now that we're even talking about race, I would love some new shoes. Because, Lord, I have put some work on these heels. I'm talking about, I ran back and forth between buildings just to give y'all these nasty calculations that y'all think y'all needed for re-entry. I just want to enter. That's all I want. Michelle, what, what size are you? Get, take your shoes off, Michelle. Give, give it to her. Give them to her. Yes, give me the shoes, Michelle. Thank you, Michelle. <laughs> oh, these can fit. We, mm, damn. Can we get the figures, please? They looking a little hidden to me. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of White People Won't Save You. I'm your host, Jordan Clark, along with my co-host, Cameron Mason. And we've got we've got a great episode lined up this week because we have a movie that I'm pretty sure a lot of people great. I yeah. love out, out the gate. It's great. <laughs> yeah, it's it's great. No, I'm 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 projecting into the future. We come with the heat. <laughs> yeah. This is a movie I think like when people probably heard about this podcast, there was a couple of movies that probably popped into people's heads. And there's two recent ones that I think really stand out when people think about white savory movies. One of them was our first episode, which is Green Book. <laughs> But the second one does is probably this one, which is Hidden Figures. And we had to bring in somebody who uh, I think is very ready to discuss this topic. Because when I, when I brought it up to her, she was like, this movie. Like, it was no hesitation. <laughs> and that is our guest for this episode, Amanda Meadows. Hello, hello. What's up, guys? Not much. Thank you for having me. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, of course. That's so ready to talk about all that math. <laughs> all that math. Yeah, I'm mostly here to talk about the equations, right? Right? Uh, yeah. I have some charts. Well, we need we need the numbers. We need the figures. We need to we need to them again. We need right. the hidden. Me figures. and the girls will <laughs> get that typed up. I'm just gonna be puns this whole episode. Uh, that, uh, okay. I'm in. <laughs> Amanda, tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Well, uh, I am an editor based in LA. I am senior editor at Oni Press, where uh, I am the acquiring editress for our Limerence Press imprint, our sex positive LGBTQIA imprint, where we're doing some really fun, expansive stuff. 
doing some new some spicy romance. We're doing <laughs> a lot more quick and easy guides on really, really interesting topics from an intersectional lens. Um, so yeah, I think some of those things are going to be announced eventually, so I won't nice. spoil, but, but, awesome. uh, yeah, that's, that's, Very that's cool. what I'm doing and enjoying it. Um, and, oh, and the most recent release is the mini series Orcs in Space. It's a Justin Roiland's new joint with Abed and Rashad Geef and Mike Tanner with Francois Vignon as the illustrator and, uh, DJ Chavis is the colorist and it is just like a bonkers madcap nice. sci-fi fantasy caper where you know a bunch of goons have to run away from other goons i love that kind Great. of <laughs> um well what 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 is it about hidden figures that you immediately were like i need to talk about this movie because it is a movie that i think when it we'll, we'll talk about this in a little bit like the reception to the movie was not on the same level as Green Book in terms of like, you know, it didn't win like every single award ever, but similarly positive. Like when it came out, people were like, oh my God, like this movie, like, you know, they're doing like special screenings and like mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff. Like people need to see Hidden Figures because it's going to change your life. What was it about Hidden Figures in particular that you were like, mm, we need to talk about this? I, I Part of it is that exactly. I remember when the movie was announced when like the adaptation deal like PR went out like so for many years a lot of women like me women of color in sort of media entertainment were just kind of paying attention to this movie kind of like a lotto ticket like oh will this movie even get made oh shit they are actually shooting it fuck you know um you know finding out who got cast so like they're really I feel like there was a relationship to this movie, like a weird parasocial projection of love and this is going to heal us all. (laughs) Uh, Mm -hmm. When it was like being promoted and I think in that way, it like was especially deceitful (laughs) as a movie because it's how often does this even happen where the full marquee is black women? Oh, but also Kevin Costner. That's why it also <laughs> happened. And like the fact yeah. that like we couldn't adapt this movie without completely changing the perspective and whose who's experience it's centering and just totally sidelining its own stars from the jump. Like it's 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 kind of like just getting like a, a like a bucket of ice cold water on you when you're in the theater. You're just like, wow, oh, okay. I knew there was going to be some fuck shit, but mm-hmm. is it really going to be this cozy, warm lifetime movie sweater of a, you know, we're going to somehow not talk about racism in, you know, a movie who's who wouldn't exist <laughs> without these things. Like it's it's such an, a disgusting snake eating its own tail of profiting off of their own historical exclusion of us that it's just like, <laughs> it becomes like this horrible, yeah. I, it's exponentially bad to use math again. Yeah, I think that's like when I saw this movie in theaters I saw it like a way like probably before the Oscars hit like it was one of my oh this is the Oscar film like I need to 
you know, go to the theater and check it out. Cause it yeah. wasn't something that I was like, wow, you know, like this movie is <laughs> speaking to me on like a deep level. Like I, <laughs> I think I maybe didn't necessarily like flag it, you know, like when I saw the trailer, but it did seem there's, I mean, this is not a novel concept, you know, in terms of like the way that this movie is presented. Like it is one of these movies where you can tell straight away, it's kind of like a sanitized version of actual history where like, I mean, we watched Cool Runnings and it's a similar situation where it's just like, we're going to talk about race, but like, not really. Like we're going to get it all we the way up against this before <laughs> yeah we're gonna get yeah. all the way around it but we're not really gonna get into it on any yeah, real somehow like, this movie level. exists in a vacuum and yeah. it's like well you can't do that and talk faithfully to your subject it's yeah. like right. wild right. well i think that's one of the things that i really that stood out to me watching this movie again and and now i'm kind of keying it back to other movies we watched is there's a weird thing in these movies where, where white people just see reason right like they see logic and reason when it's presented <laughs> to them and they're like you know what you're right you know like, i should stop <laughs> being raised you know in a way that's like not even close to reality when like we're living in reality now where you tell white people like hey you know what like history the way that it's taught in schools isn't actually the way that it happened and maybe we should reconsider some of those things and they're like we're gonna kill you <laughs> like, that's their response to that like it's not even like oh you know what like yeah let's let's talk about this or have a discussion or let's kind of like think about how we could do things differently or it's like a violent reaction to telling them that this is wrong or like what you're doing is wrong or like even you know mildly like the idea of being racist is like such like it triggers such a strong reaction in them that like there's no like there's no talking in a civil manner to discuss things and them just being like you know what actually maybe you should be able to use the bathroom or maybe yeah you should get <laughs> coffee here or do yeah. these things and there's mm -hmm. so much of that in this movie where like the characters will just just break it down for the white people so they can really see what's <laughs> happening and then their response is like you know you're right black lady and it's like huh <laughs> yeah this, this false notion that like if you just explained it nice enough then it would be fully easy and and natural for them to just go oh you're you're right uh, yeah. In fact, uh, does benevolent thing magically <laughs> out of thin air, and it's like you know, it's it's the ultimate revisionist history for people for whom like it was modeled to them uh, by their their families and subtly coded to them in their education system and mm. and shown to them through all media that if there is a threat to their power, they must punish through violence. And so you, you're going to tell those people, you know, anything <laughs> that says, hey, you know, do you mind not being on my neck? <laughs> like they're going to become like Hulk style defensive immediately. Mm -hmm. I, I don't want to be the apologist for this movie at all. Okay, here we go. During, during this Excellent. podcast, but all right. Okay. But, here we go. Here we go. Hot takes. <laughs> I saw a lot of that stuff as kind of they're speaking analytically to them. So like they would literally be like, I can't do the math unless I have a proper <laughs> bathroom. 
You know what I mean, fam? Like it's it's stuff like it's just A plus B. You know, it's <laughs> it's, it's the cosine of C equals me getting this shit done. So NASA You're can right. send white to the moon. You know if what I mean? She had just yeah. given him the drop, numbers of like, see if. If it's if the bathroom is 0.5 miles away and it takes X amount of exactly. time, the parabola, then, oh, the parabola if she just presented um, the problem as a math equation, it would have she wouldn't have had to play the race card, and no, then never, and then never. everybody would be on the same page. Yeah. This. So when I so when I saw this movie, I actually kind of was like into it. I kind of fucked with it. Mm-hmm. Minus several of the Pharrell songs that didn't need to be there, but we're not going. We're not going. We gonna talk about that too, but go we ahead. Need to, we need to talk about... about the you know celebrated indie artist to shitty black protest film soundtrack pipeline. Like, <laughs> 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 that's that's a whole other conversation. But I did enjoy the movie, and I enjoyed some of the performances. Actually, I thought it was like well done. It's like from 20th Century Fox. It's from a major studio. Mm-hmm. They're gonna do what they're gonna do to it. I mean, I I don't live in a bizarre world, but I <laughs> am able I am able to see like okay, they did a little bit of the work, you know. The three like you said, the three major names on the marquee are black women. I don't see Kevin Costner doing this on the poster <laughs> with, the, with his back on the ladies like these ladies the over here. Kinda, the- yeah, exactly. <laughs> doing some step-by-step bullshit over here. Like, hey, these <laughs> ladies are about to cause some trouble in the rocket in the, in the rocket building, you know? So I, I didn't hate on it too much, but I will say I feel like there is, like you said, some mess going on. Some fuckery afoot <laughs> yeah but but and i and i'm ready for my third eye to be open i'm, I'm mm-hmm. ready to get woke on this episode that's well, what i'm saying i'm ready we're gonna to get woke. we're gonna get okay. you there uh yeah. please <laughs> but i think that's 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 also before we jump into the movie itself i think that's also just mm-hmm. a through line with so many of these movies that we've watched and will watch is that like we talked about before these movies star like our our best you know what i mean like we right. are are putting the best black actors in these films and so right. you know as a black person when you're going to the movies you're like well i want to see taraji p henson like i want to see mahershala ali like i want to see these people in films and so if well, you want these are three these are three oscar winners and yeah i'm on it yeah well <laughs> i don't think he said it like that <laughs> no say no say no say actually the arc android <laughs> yeah. yeah she was good in movies. i mean this was did this come out before or after Moonlight, because this is oh, the, that's this, right. is both the before, yeah, this is the reuniting of Mahershala and uh, yeah, it was like know. a year and some change before Moonlight. He's going to hang out, yeah. But you know, so you have these great actors, you know, giving you mm-hmm. know th- their best, and like we talked about with Green Book too, like when you're portraying a real person, you know, there definitely is that pressure to be accurate and do your best to really give that performance. There's an occasion you have to rise to for sure. Yeah. And and unlike Green Book, Katherine Johnson was still alive <laughs> when this movie came out. Yeah, so exactly. There that, yeah, there is that extra bit of like, ooh, you know, like you better do this right because, you know, this woman is not just alive, but I mean, I think she also got the Presidential Medal of Freedom in 2016. And like, mm-hmm. you know, there she was being made a big deal of, you know, at the time mm-hmm. when this movie came out. So Yeah, it definitely capitalized on end of Obama era um mm-hmm. sort of sentiments and that you know writing into the like hillary wave like because it came yeah. out like in the winter 
like like in, January yeah, 2016, yeah, like right. before the primaries. So I think it, it the movie, I think it for me also memory wise is also tied to the shared like mass delusion mm. among white liberals that something was going to change without yeah. them having done anything. <laughs> we saw hidden figures. Like, what else do you want from us? Exactly. We, they were like, <laughs> we made and saw our own movie. And we tatted ourselves on our backs. Isn't that enough? <laughs> yeah. Well, let's, so let's talk about, you know, this movie is, is directed by uh, Theodore Melfi who is a white man uh, and written by <laughs> Alison, Alison Schroeder and Theodore Melfi or two other white people. White people. Uh, <laughs> um, so off to the races. Yeah, kind of <laughs> up and down. I mean, we'll, we'll get into this more when we talk about the movie, but there is a very distinct, I mean, we've said this before, these movies are not made by black people. So, you know, like there's always that level of, of just, I, is this how white people see us or like trying to figure out like what, the the math is you know to yeah to what, the, like what, what the um white footprint is on the percentage of the white footprint on the film yeah like what the approach is because i mean this is billed in a way as a black movie right like this is kind of like being right like, Definitely it is not as one. it is not its intended audience the, yeah like like black women are not the intended audience and that's mm -hmm. like the funniest thing about it and it's also just like the hilarious to me irony of just how much money like and mutual aid was shared among black women <laughs> and femmes to try to get more young kids to see this movie because it was like like they're only shot at seeing a movie like this but it had to be under these circumstances mm -hmm. with these added perspectives woven in that are completely undue and actually muddy the movie's narrative and make it kind of slow upon second watch yeah. um <laughs> but yeah anyway <laughs> i digress it is in part based on the book titled hidden figures by margot lee shetterly the book i i guess you know in in looking at the timelines of release the book hadn't come out yet like it came out a little bit after the movie came out so they were mm -hmm. kind of like deep into production but at the same time you know i mean they're basing the book on the, the movie on the book and the author is right you could just talk to her <laughs> if you had any <laughs> questions about like history or she's got notes she's writing a book like you can verify with her but i guess they chose not to go that route so anyways let's talk about hidden figures or as we like to call it whitey on the moon uh <laughs> the movie uh so <laughs> immediately i mean you the first couple of scenes of the movie you know you get the sense that oh like this katherine johnson woman like she might be very very smart uh we see her kind of having a semi like rain man moment of just like doing math and seeing equations and she's a young all that girl stuff. She, yeah she's just seeing math seeing the world that way seeing the world it happens so quickly too it's like nice. a one minute scene almost it's and, a lot so, impacted into like 90 seconds yeah i will say that and for that reason that that rain man reference like totally <laughs> clicked with me jordan because yeah. it, it does it robs her of the ability to like be a person who learns and fails and became like this it's like oh she's just a freak who managed just to somehow yeah. know math yeah. 
without an, anyone needing to do any guidance or <laughs> yeah. mentoring yeah. or whatever. She anyway. learned math. She was so good at it. She worked at NASA. That's two sentences. That's all you need to know. <laughs> Close the book. <laughs> redacted, 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 redacted. <laughs> right, there we are. <laughs> And so, like, yeah, we we get her doing all that, and then we immediately cut to 1961, and all three of the women are working on their car, which broke down. They, they're late to work. They're trying to get to work. And this is one of the first, I mean, it's literally within the five, first five minutes of the movie. And this is one of the peop- moments where you're just like, what is okay, like, this is what this movie is, because a cop rolls up and immediately is giving them the southern yeah the southern white cop like ooh, like what are you negroes doing you know on the side of the road <laughs> whatever and then they're like well you know we work at nasa and we got to get to work and all of a sudden he's like oh nasa oh, he flips. He flips oh like a dime he's <laughs> you're you you are special like i need to oh my and, and, oh god it was disgusting to look at that actually well it's because it's what's so bizarre about that moment because green book also has a similar moment where there's a white cop who's like can i help yeah. you <laughs> do things that's what, no, that's what these movies do that's what these movies that's do, what baby. they do it's it's what's just like a through line throughout the movie where it's just kind of like they almost actually do the thing they almost actually do racism and then they're like but we can't get that close can't like what if he just drove them to work you know because he's, we know yeah. we know that the easiest way to invoke all of that was to just have a cop car drive past them. That tells you, it tells the audience everything they need to know about yeah. the situation they're in. And that alone is a statement in how lazy the trope it's using is. Mm-hmm, <laughs> you right, know, like, right. a, like it's 2016 at this point. Like a lot of movies have come out. <laughs> a lot of, there have been a lot of movies like this. A lot of things. Um, are, well, well, it's also just the idea that when you when you think about what the climate was at that time, right? Like it's supposed to be a statement, right? It's supposed to be like, wow, like, you know, everybody's so wrapped up in this space race, you know, situation. Mm-hmm. Like there's so much tension surrounding that. Like mm-hmm. even even racism doesn't matter anymore. Like even <laughs> like being racist to these three black women, like I can't even process that right now because they have I, to get I, I, these people. I have space. no time to be racist right now. Yeah. Sit down and do that math. No, right. we are all emotionally invested and united in getting whitey on that moon. Yeah. All- yes came together. It's one of America's favorite bits of propaganda. Every time they need us to do some shit, uh, like it, it, you know, did it with the first world war. It was the first war that we got to serve in. Mm -hmm. And how did they repay us when we came back? You know, the Mm. largest rash of lynchings in the history of Jim Crow, like all happened after the first world war because they came back with medals and shit and wanted to get bread couldn't have it else. Yeah. Fuck that. couldn't yeah. have it no, couldn't no have it. I, don't, I don't like it wait a think minute you're better than me get uppity <laughs> message <laughs> I, I think that if i can if i can double drop for a second can we, talk, uh, <laughs> can, we can we talk a little bit about because this is the thing that struck me as the movie progressed like it's really like the space race felt very much like an extension of colonialism where it's just oh, like for sure 
can we they say it basically? They, they're <laughs> literally they two it. colonialist <laughs> nation states in a cold war with each other. With each other to get to uncharted space, which they might not be able to live in for real at all. Anyway. But just to it. claim it, just to say that we just got a it. Symbolic literally, fuck you to everybody else. <laughs> Because it's a scene in the movie where Kevin Costner says, like, whoever gets to space first, they make the rules. And that's all they needed to hear. Well, because because they also play the JFK speech where he's basically saying, like, what's better? You know, like, if the dictatorship of, of, you know, the Soviet gets to space first or us, you know, waving a Mm -hmm. banner of freedom for aliens to see, I guess. I don't really know what the- Sure, sure. Who would see the- aliens who were coming to Earth, they stopped by the moon and said, what was this weird red and yellow flag going on over here? But then all these- It must mean freedom. I I guess they- Freedom flag, obviously. It's so so weird because when when you think about what the implications of space travel and all that mean, like that's a human thing, right? That's humanity now getting into a position to like leave the planet it's exploration it's it's a thing that theoretically should benefit all of us but as we're seeing even now leave living in the jeff bezos elon musk era of like billionaire space race bullshit like it's clearly not for it's clearly it's clearly not for us in terms of like definitely not for us but it's but it's not for us like black people like it's definitely not like they are just gonna I don't know if they're gonna leave us but it's like it's this idea of like oh Oh, like we've got we've got so much time and money on our hands that like we're just gonna leave the planet like we don't like earth doesn't even concern us anymore whereas like we're just trying to get to tomorrow (laughs) like the concern like the level of like the ability to think you know to that level of like i i have i'm not concerned about anything i have no worries i'm so carefree that like and i have so much money and free time that i think i should just go to space like what else is there to do like let's just go (laughs) to the moon you know and it's but you feel it here too where like i mean these black women are so you know involved and it's because this is literally their job it's like they're working on you know these missions but they never really like extrapolate that out to like i mean you see black people kind of just like watching and looking but i don't know if either of you have seen the summer of soul uh documentary quest love did but there's a moment in the movie where they like are kind of coinciding that concert with the moon landing and they're talking to all the people who are at this festival and they're like it was so weird that that movie came out this year at i know this time i know it's i I mean (laughs) there's that whole scene it's maybe like five minutes of the movie 10 minutes not not even 10 minutes but five minutes of the movie where yeah the um what was it apollo 11 launch Mm mm-hmm was uh that day yeah and all these black people are like hey that's great but you know my license is off the fuck <laughs> i don't care well know? they're basically like oh you've got money to send somebody to the moon you don't got money for harlem like you don't have money for like, like all these the, my, my yeah, that's their answer their answer is fuck you i'm i would rather go into a spaceship then have to step over your filthy peon body. <laughs> like that's, it's wild how like, it wouldn't even be that much of his wealth to just eradicate hunger and, yeah. and fix the lives of the very people It probably people wouldn't even exploit. cost half as much as the space program. Yeah. And we could take care of a whole lot of mess, but 
you know. Yeah, right. We see them then go into work. You know, we have three main characters. This movie stars Taraji B. Henson. It stars Octavia Spencer. It stars Janelle Monet, And they all work in different departments. You know, you've got Katherine Johnson, who Taraji B. Henson plays. She's, again, shown to be just the most incredible mathematician that has ever lived and is... Because just doing she was the, just born that way, like Lady Gaga said. Yeah, she was, she was just born that way. She's doing a lot of numbers, a lot of calculations for different space flight related things. And so she gets uh, reassigned to go work with Kevin Costner of Dances with Wolves fame and <laughs> Jim Parsons. And then you have Janelle Monáe. Bazinga fame. Bazinga fame. Yes. <laughs> you have, <laughs> you have, <laughs> you've got Janelle Monet who plays Mary Jackson who is a fledgling engineer she's working on the capsules and like the the launch and re-entry stuff and then you've got Octavia Spencer who plays Dorothy Vaughn who was basically put in charge of what was known as the West End computing facilities which is where all the black women at NASA worked at the time and she's kind of in charge, but she hasn't officially been given the job and title of supervisor. Uh, so she's mm -hmm. butting heads with uh, Kristen Dunst over whether or not she'll <laughs> get that position. From there, you know, there's a lot of just Taraji P. Henson doing math, them trying to really <laughs> figure out how to make that that's look really, good. That's really a lot of the movie. Like 65% of this movie is Taraji do math, Kevin Costner say, Hmm, she can do math. <laughs> and then Carson and then, say, no, you shouldn't do math. And then Taraji says, I'm going to do math. But then underneath is a Pharrell score. Like they play a, then, a original Pharrell then, composition. Then, uh, uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but like we see some of the hardships of what, you know, the women have to go through. You know, Taraji Benson is working in this new building. But the bathroom that she can use, the colored bathroom, is on the opposite end of the NASA campus. And so she has to run each day to go to the bathroom uh, on the opposite end that's, of the campus. I will say that's the one for all song I did like. I do. The run and song? I even play it. I kind of play it, actually. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Okay. It gets, it, gets, it gets rotations. Don't let Pharrell know that. <laughs> I mean, Getting those residuals can, from you. I'm sure he knows. <laughs> when, when the checks show up, he knows. Okay. I mean, I, uh, at first I thought you were insinuating he was like watching your Spotify. Like, yeah, he gets like a just... printout of everyone's Spotify. <laughs> oh my God, Cameron, listen to it. Oh. <laughs> well, it's weird because also, I mean, if we can sidetrack into Pharrell just a little bit, like he is a producer sure. on this movie as well. Uh, yes. But like he, for a minute there, it felt like he was kind of in competition with John Legend for like who's going to like score these civil rights movies. <laughs> and then like, <laughs> And then John Legend just like like waxed him. Like he's just out he the paint. Won. He, he, yeah, John Legend just does them all now. Or comment or both. Legend, asked the question and then John Legend <laughs> answered it. I mean, John Legend is on the like Mount Olympus of like, you know, we're on like Oprah's yacht, Jeffrey Epstein's mm. plane level celebrity, <laughs> you know, where it's like, of course, at a certain point, these executives are just going to feel safest with. Mm -hmm. A John Legend. Um, he sang at the Olympics. He sang for <laughs> Tokyo. John, John Legend wins. Pharrell's nice. I love Pharrell. Who, who doesn't love that four count? But, you know? Yeah. I go, I go hard on that four count every time. We, we, but, yeah. That's how you know. 
but you know it's that black capitalism for me that, mm. <laughs> that really makes me admire pharrell i don't know which came first like him being a producer on this movie or him being kind of brought in to do you know the music for this movie but he almost feels like another character in the movie because like he his song's his, presence his song's presence are just like it's i mean it's him like obviously you know he's singing you can tell that it's him but there and why and why yeah, yeah. No, no why but it they're they're all written in a sense of like almost like <laughs> like meta narrative of like they play running and Taraji Benson is running to the bathroom you know what i mean like there's yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah i mean there's a lot of for i mean he's got at least three or four like full like needle drop moments yeah. in this movie oh, yeah where it's just here's Pharrell full and it's weird that Janelle Monae <laughs> didn't get a song right. in the right. you know at, at least something like but I guess that's if you're a producer you that's what you get the clout you get to kind of decide you know get her out the paint wow. it would be great I mean, if, if John Legend did have a song on here though and it won a <laughs> it won if Oscar. John Legend had the one song and it won the Oscar on Pharrell's album and he's just like <laughs> oh that would be so funny Bro, it had to be like he had to eat it. He had to be like I enabled it, you know. Like I made, I created the kitchen where this could happen. But yeah, so what's going on? Uh, Charlie <laughs> Behan's run to the bathroom. Uh, you know, you've got in this. Like, this is one of the scenes that where they there's more of them kind of doing this throughout, right? Where Janelle Monae is working on just the the capsules themselves and like figuring out how to, you know, get them into space and back, you mm -hmm, know, mm -hmm. safely. And she's working, I mean, they're, they're all working with just exclusively white people. But she's mm -hmm. working with this guy who, I forget what country he was from. He's Polish, he's Polish. Yeah, he's yeah, like- he's a Polish Jew. He's yes. a Polish Jew. Yeah, I come from I come from nothing, you know. My people come from nothing, and I came here to this country and made something of myself and was able. Oh to yeah, he was engineer. like a little a little Polish Jew whose parents died in the Holocaust is here making a ship. So blah blah blah. Yeah. So but, you can too. Was, like, what's yeah, stopping he, you? And she's like, right. black woman. Was, but like, also, <laughs> just like rude. America, have you been here? You realize like, the Holocaust was inspired by the Jim Crow stuff, like right. Like, well, because then her response to well, he says something along the lines of like, "Well, if you were a white man, like, would you be an engineer?" And she's like, "Like, I wouldn't have to want to be an engineer if I was white. Like, I I would just be I would already be one. be one, right? Yeah, um, which is." I, I get the sense this like that's one of the moments where the white people writing this movie like looked at each other and like high fived. They're like, "We did it!" Like that's <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. See, yeah. we admitted we admitted the thing everybody knows. That um, scene comes in like on page thirty, fam. Mm -hmm. Like if I was, I'm actually writing a script right now, and I just got to page thirty, <laughs> legit. Yeah. And if I high five myself at this point, I'd never work. <laughs> 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 Not to say it's garbage, but. <laughs> Come on, man. Um, yeah, no, that's that's when I was kind of just like, what, what nonsense is this? Because they, <laughs> there's a lot of that in this movie where it's like black person telling white people about racism, white people being like, racism, huh? Like, Pretty I much. guess that is a thing that is happening. I don't see any. This movie gets a lot of mileage out of like, the same three problems and mm -hmm. then cutting to scenes of these women being like it's so hard to be me 
then go back to another scene of them engaging with that same story again. Right. Like for Taraji, it's I work in this new office with everybody and every, nobody wants to pass me a pen or a piece of paper because they're afraid that I'm going to rub off on them or something like that yeah. the whole time. That's the whole, that's her whole plot for real, for real, while she just yeah. does more math. Mm-hmm. And for while Big Bang that. Boy like next her <laughs> and shit, yeah, exactly the whole yeah. the whole time. And Janelle Monae's character is working on the the capsule pod with the Polish Jewish engineer, and they're just going back and forth about I would rather be an engineer already. I'm already one, so how can I help you? And then she has to go to high school, so then she's got the problems with going to high school as well as working at NASA presently mm-hmm. at the same time. And that is her arc. And then Octavia Spencer wants to be, well, doesn't want to be because she's working the job of a supervisor, but not getting a supervisor's pay or information. Yeah. And that literally is, and she's going button heads with Kristen Dunst. And that's that whole plot. Yeah. And the movie kind of just like, Oh yeah, and she learns how to use a supercomputer in five minutes. Which yeah, well, is she goes to the library and reads. Oh a book. my god, she literally yeah. just went in she there, goes, and pushed the button, <laughs> and that bitch started running. And, and then, and then the white men come in. That that scene is great to me. I, I I love that scene because she pushes the button. Might as well go. Ooh, like I didn't know it did that. And then it started computing because it's a computer. Yeah. White people walked in. They were like, "Hey, that computer's computing. What the hell's going on?" And Octavia Spencer is just like, hey, I push the button, button go boop, and computer go compute. They're like, what in tarnation? And what, what, but what are you doing putting your black hands on that white computer? <laughs> How dare you? How dare you? And again, she goes, but computer compute. And they look at the computer compute and they go, oh, oh my God, you know, the gates have opened. It. I, I feel like the movie gets a lot of mileage out of doing that trade-off yeah like every other scene well that scene and then the next scene is like one of the three women with their husbands talking about ain't it so hard to be us yeah well here's without showing any of it like they show (laughs) you water fountains like at some point in the first act and it's like (laughs) the end the the, uh, the movie honestly might as well be like what a 10th grade history textbook looks, looks like yeah. Like yeah. how they treat how they treat Jim Crow. Oh yeah, how this they is modern modern racism. This is back to back TV day with Remember the Titans for sure. <laughs> Woof. <laughs> do you do y'all watch wrestling at all? I do. I, it, yeah. Okay, so this Very is exactly little. what I would call a work. You know, oh, yeah. where it's mm-hmm. like oh, they are mm-hmm. in on it. Everyone's in on it. They know what they're doing, <laughs> and it's like it's. It's just such a wild sleight of hand because they're also at the same time showing you, see, um, all you had to do was X, Y, Z. See how easy it is to become respectable in our eyes. Exactly. You know, it's all you have to do just... is be perfect in every way and figure out a computer no one else wants to figure out and show your your <laughs> your productive capitalist value to them then mm-hmm. they'll learn your name maybe and it's well, yeah, that's, you know and, and, that's, and you bet and you better work be inspirational hard. to you us. better work hard despite your hard life that we made hard for you and that's that's really the crux and the soul of this movie because that when they both look at each other and they say dorothy vaughn it's 
this moment of of oh she's being affirmed by white people right like she's she's finally reached a level where white people now look at her and say oh like you have you like you were saying i mean like you have value to us now like oh like we need to at the very least learn your name uh you don't have that until you've shown it to me right Um, but like you literally need to prove your work but she has you have to, to reach. Yeah, she has to reach such an exceptional yeah, yeah, yeah. level, show, right? Show your work. I mean, show our work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, math. But each of them, each of them, are put into situations where, and and this is where you have to question what mm-hmm. the, not just the intention of the movie, but like what lens is this movie being portrayed through? Because each goal of the main characters is basically white affirmation, right? Like each of them are trying to be seen by the white people that they work with as valuable members of the team, right? Like it's established right, as right. the goal. Yeah. Like okay. it's not to actually, it's not to get jungle into the space. It's not to do any of the others. Like the real goal of each character is I the need pride to pride of being a better mathematician than that entire room of fucking white collars <laughs> right you know who just you know sailed through MIT or whatever like mm-hmm. we're not even given a lot of opportunity in the movie to kind of gloat like no the characters aren't given room to be like yeah I fucking know what I'm doing and no one else here does right well and that's that's the thing like the movie is propagated as black girl magic right like that's what it's trying to get out there is that this is what black girl magic looks like (laughs) but it's doing it without saying why it's necessary right like what what that actually means because so much of it is just like aren't these black women incredible wow look at them go when really the the movie definitely tried to use black girl magic on us i mean the numbers were floating on the wall <laughs> like that she did that she manifested the numbers floating she went off the wall, she went like to the Minnesota. sherlock mind palace yes <laughs> <laughs> but, but that's but you're right that's exactly what this movie is trying to do is trying to sell you on an idea that black women uh, at all black people are just magic at what they are able to do. Look, look at yeah. them go, right? Right. Look at them go. But yeah, even yeah, if they go, they can only go as far as here. we, we <laughs> say, white people say. Well, well, and especially to that, right, Amanda? Because it's like when you think about the just the aphorism of like you know working twice as hard, right? Like mm-hmm. it's it feels like they were trying to express that, right? But from a from a white perspective where it's just like oh man like they worked so hard to get where they were and then they finally got the appreciation they deserved where for black people like working twice as hard it's like what like what else like what, what do you mean like what do you mean like what's there's next? another what's option next? like there's something right. else to do like what like there's no there's like throughout the movie there's this kind of refrain of like that's just the way it is like that's just the way things are like that's what are you going to do about it um yeah but- to make it also seem like black people were somehow passive and mm-hmm. accepting of the way things were as if there was some kind of consent to the way things were and and it was just the wild idea of a couple of crazy frauds <laughs> to be like look we could do things that the white boys do like it feels so like boomer preschool like it's patronizing it's patronizing yes 
Well, cause, because so much of what this movie propagates is racism, right? Which we've talked about this before on this on this podcast too, where there's so much of what racism actually is on a day-to-day basis versus what these movies conflated into. Right, because yes, you know, there, a lot of what you see in terms of, uh, you know, colored bathrooms and, you know, colored water fountains and all kinds of other things mm-hmm. did happen, were true. You know, people were segregated right. in those ways. But the, the racism isn't simply just like, oh, yeah, like I would like to do a thing. White people say I can't do a thing. Guess I can't do that thing. It's more just like, it's the constant feeling of just being, being other. Actual terrorism. Right. You're living in an occupied land. Wherever you live, it's going to be the most surveilled and the most occupied by military or police forces. And if not that, then a bunch of local yokel militias (laughs) that are ready to regulate the second you step out of line. So like, you know, nobody's given the opportunity no. <laughs> to uh, do anything other than everything necessary to survive all the time. Well, and it's the feeling that like everything could be taken away at any time for no reason at all. Like, you know, just they decide today that, okay, I, I don't like that you drive this car. So now, you know, so we're going to do something about it. Or, you know, like, wow, you said something you're a, you're a celebrity and you said something that we don't agree with and now like we're going to do everything we can to destroy your credibility or just mm-hmm. so many other things where it it just it doesn't it doesn't make sense right like you can't it even begin <laughs> yeah you can't even begin to prepare yourself for just like the random things that could happen in any single <laughs> yeah. day you know so I that's really don't know how my parents made it through yeah, so many black people like that. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, There's I'm, a reason I'm, why I'm they saying, don't like, tell a lot ago, of stories. Like 50 years ago, yeah. there were people who were who toiled and died. Like this is this is all crazy to think that the white people who make these movies, who direct, produce, and write these movies, as like a teaching tool, I assume, for white people, for other white people, it boggles my mind that they want to that they think that they should erase those parts of their own history. Yeah. You know, um, we're gonna, what's we're gonna the work? What's the work? Yeah. You know, at that point, what is the actual work? Because are you doing it? If you're... Mm-hmm. No, the work is it? all damage control. It's all image control. Right. Um, and it's you have more the, important. We all know the image. We all know the image. Yeah. You can't control it at this point. It's so obvious what it was. Because yeah, now it's lived, all just money and violence lived, lived forcing this. <laughs> Right. Yeah. This is shared lived experience. When you show me this movie, I, 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 Catherine Johnson has to look at it and go like, it was a little tougher than that. You know? <laughs> well, she has to. Well, because so many things that you see in this, and this is another trope of the white savior film, is that like racism gets solved in such a matter of fact way, you know, like somebody just says, this is over. You know, and then everybody's like, I guess it's done. I guess we're not racist anymore. Like it'll, we should do- Yeah, it also <laughs> always reduce by doing that, it reduces racism into a, an isolated interpersonal mm-hmm, situation. Mm-hmm. Exchange, yeah, yeah or whatever and it might be. Where, where there's two sides to every it's like, no, there are not two sides to every story. It's a fractal. Yeah. There's like eight billion sides to every story. And you know, we're we're not given the luxury of any of that nuance. Like no. because 
white people themselves are so uncomfortable with being faced with what they've done, what they themselves have done, what their parents have done, what they know their grandparents have done. Like it it is not a coincidence that all of these fucking white kids that I went to college with, their parents have no stories about college you know in the 50s and 60s and high school and being like being the kids that were said desegregated you're going to pretend you weren't around for that you don't have any interesting stories to tell somebody's somebody's mom spit on ruby bridges right like somebody (laughs) a lot of people's mamas did that you know and and they and they don't want to talk i mean you watch the videos of uh you know those kids desegregating those schools and it's not like white people are like we wish you would stop. It's just like we're if the cops weren't here, her. yeah. And even and if they, and even if they were, it. you know, like if 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 we could get, you know, if this wasn't on, it was, it's not even if the cops weren't here. It's more like if this wasn't on national television right now. Yeah, if there weren't journalists on on the <laughs> scene, yeah, we would just have murdered these children, you know. And and so there's so much of that where you know the the civil rights era because they throughout the movie also play like. The bus bombing uh yes. in birmingham you know they play a clip of that they play they play the jfk speech i think they play another speech of some kind at some point um, and they're all kind of designed to be these moments of like oh yeah like right ra- like racism is out here and it's affecting you know these people but like these three women though very good at math and that is what separates them <laughs> from the others and, and gives them you know and it's like it it's it's similar to green book right in the sense of the like because of their exceptionalism these women are somehow extracted from the rest of the black community in a way where I, like they are not it seems like their exceptionalism protects them from protects the racism from any yeah, yeah, the actual racism that's going on. And when it is going on in these movies, I mean, well, and also to say, we've only kind of so far talked about like PG-13 films mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. not really like going, delving in into, or right. at least mo- R-rated movies where they would have the freedom to maybe say the N-word if they wanted to with that hard R on it. But, yeah. you know, that aside, that aside, these movies do treat racism as like racism light you know mm-hmm. uh like like we said using other words for the n-word like yeah in cool runnings calling them jamaica <laughs> with the hard r jamaica with that hard r exactly or, <laughs> you know <laughs> i feel like i feel like the uh, a problem i'm brushing up against as we talk more about movies like this is like the racism light problem we're gonna brush up against how bad it could have been in this fantasy scenario, but we're never really gonna talk about how bad it was. And right. the movies that usually or why do, it was that bad, or and why specifically it was, it was that bad? Do, yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, because so mean, much white, of it is white man's burden. We spoke about <laughs> completely erases the fact that like, wh- where did racism come from in that movie? Where where did black people? Racism in, yeah, where did black <laughs> people come, Sam? Don't get me started. We can't do that again on this podcast. We're gonna, we're not gonna get off topic. But it's it's crazy how the erasure, the erasure of these things. Yeah, racism yeah. was bad, right? Yeah, it was bad. It kept people separate, 
even in situations where it was necessary for literally necessary to function. Oh yeah. Well, it yeah. didn't just keep people mm -hmm. separate. I mean, it was, it was, it kept people subjugated, you know, like it, that's subjugated. the whole goal of it but, is that we, we are superior. And so like, we will not just keep you away from us, we but dictate, like, we're going to we dictate your lifestyle. Yeah. We're going to make your life worse just because, you know, and because, so you like, and that's, and, and that's, and that's what hidden figures tries to get at, but misses, right. I feel like just whiffs sorely with well, some mean yeah. stares. I mean, I'll even quote. I'll even quote a U.S. senator right before the Civil War popped off. Ooh, here we go. Uh, yes. So, uh, South Carolina Senator James Henry Hammond said, "In all social systems, there must be a class to do the menial duties to perform the drudgery of life, and such a class must have it. You know, you must have them in order to have a prospering society, and it constitutes the very mud sill." of society uh that yeah literally yeah black people are the soil we are the wealth for sure them. and that's and that's partially that's pretty well substantiated by hidden figures and green book and movies like it who show you like oh see if you're this good and perform in these ways that we've agreed on right. then you can you can earn the benevolence of people allowing you to be near them and right, right, yeah right. it's 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 uh you can you can earn okay. the benevolence of people who uh disdain your people and you as a culture but like you i guess are the exception now so like come right. on in and like because we both know that my acceptance and my like my my whims are are like consequential yeah you like they know like on the level you have to know that your actions affect other people in that yeah. way you're, you're just paying to never have to see that right well because so much of this movie and other movies is like look how they like gracefully overcome all these obstacles without ever discussing like well who put the obstacles in the way <laughs> in the first yeah. place and it's like well don't think about that too much just look how great they are and speaking of which we get we get one of our first benevolent white people in kevin costner movie playing a completely fictional character who did not exist yes. they and claim he's a composite of three guys who were at nasa and it's just like yeah that's, yeah, right. that's so wet a composite of three people bro yeah, yeah. No. Well, composite the janitor on in there too like uh, yeah how there can't you can't make a composite of, of white people <laughs> <laughs> well they the thing about it is Kevin Costner's character, fake. Jim Parsons' character, <laughs> fake. Kirsten right. Dunst's character, fake. Like, none of these white people are real. And they're all kind of supposed to be playing the, I guess, the triumphant of whiteness, where you have Kevin Costner, benevolent white person, looking around and saying, wait, they can't use the bathroom? They've got different coffee? Like, he's just like, too busy doing math to notice yeah he <laughs> yeah. just he's got no concept of anything that's going on yeah, around he gotta, him he got to do that math faster so we need some yeah, that's true closer. we need some coffee quicker yeah uh, james. jim parsons racist that's his character arc and character trait <laughs> like there's nothing else to he is simply simply really racist is. That's hey. all his trading card would say. You have these hidden figures trading cards. Oh. <laughs> Not a lot of stats. Not a lot of stats in the back. 
Um, Attributes, racist. Well done. Here we go. Yeah. I mean, he just, he constantly. Hey, racist. <laughs> <laughs> he constantly just is racist. I mean, there's really nothing else to his. And then at the end, he's not. Uh, I guess. Because <laughs> um, she did that math so good that he had to change a heart. Um, and then Kirsten Dunst's character, like, kind of racist but seemingly regretfully racist or like racist racist, but only racist because them's the rules right like racist uh enough but with a with a hint of like maybe she can change uh she's a product of her time but if only somebody would hold her hand yeah if only (laughs) things were different they would be friends you know so that's those are those are the the white people that our main characters are up against but really like the rest of the movie is very strangely paced because there is there's there's probably my favorite scene of the movie which is where so octavia spencer learns there's a there's ibm computer coming and so she's got to go to the library to get a book she sees a protest happening and tells her sons that we're not involved in that stuff. It's like an anti-segregation protest. They don't they don't get involved in that kind of stuff. And then they cut to out of nowhere yeah. a black guy getting a drink from a water fountain as two white people just kind of watch what's happening. And then they turn to him, look at him in disgust, and leave. And he yes. he looks up as just kind of like, oh, what? <laughs> yeah that was so weird it was like a it's, mom and her son or something and it was like yeah. come here come here little one we must get away from your eyes. <laughs> but, I'm, but i have to give that man our, our black acting school nominee of the movie um because he he did it really sold that moment of just like bewilderment of like what? <laughs> i was just getting uh, a drink like what? i was like <laughs> And then, Damn, but then it just I was cu- hydrate. I, it was hot outside, so I hydrated. And then it just cuts away from him. People. Like yeah. it's, it, it, I don't know why that scene was such in the movie. Such a weird edit. It's such just, a weird edit. Just to show that people had to drink from different water fountains, I guess. But it was just such a random moment, and I can't imagine the direction that that guy got <laughs> to do. They should have played the John Legend song from Selma over that yeah. shit. Also, like just the way the scene was going before that happened, it seemed it was like, oh, it looks like we walked into the racism corner of town. Hey, it's right. like this one intersection where there's a desegregation <laughs> protest that's turning into a battle, and then there's this, the fucking water fountains are right there, and Their there's like a lunch museum, counter. Yeah. Like it was all happening. <laughs> like it was a theme park or something <laughs> and then the and then i guess my second favorite just through movie. like it's a small world it's the racist it's a small world is their neighborhood well because it doesn't stop there because then she goes into the library she's looking for a book there's just a white woman on the other side of the books oh, just Lord. staring at her and she's you know what are you what are you doing in the library and she's like i'm looking for a book and she's like but the colored section's over there and she's like well they don't have the book i want she's like well that's just the way things are (laughs) i mean that is truly truly i mean honestly here's the thing that we keep rushing up against right now is that this movie is weak sauce for real like (laughs) this movie so lazy the laziest writing the laziest like okay what were some racist things that happened around 1961? Literally open a big old book. 
I saw some. Okay, so some different toilets. I saw some. I don't different even know water if they fountains. opened a book. I think they like <laughs> they read a listicle and said, "We are ready to go." Like, Google racism. It's and it, it was, was like same... first result. What do we get? <laughs> It's just like the, the same part, another like trope of the racism light thing y'all are talking about is, is that thing where like, they make it seem like, like it was uh, so long ago that nobody could even imagine any of this happening. So like, of course it's so bold. This shit is so prehistoric. Yeah. Catherine it, Johnson like, was still alive when this movie came out. Yeah. <laughs> it was last week, yo, fam, I swear, I think that's, Mm-mm. I'm, this is my theory for real honestly a lot of white people don't realize that racism was like or like slavery for real was last week as far as like the timetable oh. of human evolution and the timetable of like modern civilization somebody was saying that like mitch mcconnell i think said something crazy recently about slavery well no he said something about like oh like why should we be punished for something that none of us were alive for we don't we didn't do it we didn't do it so why but, are we getting but like yeah like people who were slaves were still alive when mitch mcconnell was in school yeah, yeah. oh yeah definitely <laughs> like, and he knows that you know you know like it wasn't like they all died once slavery yeah. and, they, and they were they were martyrs for the cause like i'm so sorry <laughs> The, our ancestors were racist to these dinosaurs, but it's all it's all good now. Yeah, it's like to to imagine yeah. that slavery was a million years ago. But even even the I mean, we're we're gonna get on a, a side here for a second. But like to even think about like oh, we're not responsible for, you know, X, Y, and Z. It's like, well, maybe you weren't alive when slavery was happening, but you are alive when the GI Bill happened and you are alive when redlining was going on and you are alive when- You were alive when Nana gave you that inheritance. Where do you think that inheritance came from, baby? Yeah, you were alive when you did all these other things that are like a a subset of slavery. Like they were like- If you you invest in the stock market- (laughs) Like you're them, you're like, part of the same, like, you know, you have to, like, grand, actually look at who Like, your grandfather's in. father probably owned slaves, legit. Like, yeah. And again, your grandmother that far away. spit on Ruby Bridges. Like, you know, it's not like yeah, you're, your you are not. A hundred percent. It was your grandfather. Yeah. Allison. You know, so to act like, oh, like we didn't have anything to do. Like we had a lot to do with all of those things. Like this child, it's the white innocence trope that that's inherent in the racism light phenomenon where it's everything needs to get dumbed down because otherwise it's hostile (laughs) to talk in adult, frank, realistic terms about what's actually happening. Yes. But there are five things that white people have agreed are racist. And if it's not those five things, then it's not racist. And that's yeah, like good. how they try good, to control right? the narrative yeah. and be like, well, yeah. some things are racist and some things aren't. And it's like, mm-hmm. obviously that's not how it works. It's a fucking system, yeah. but it, they benefit <laughs> from propagating this, this idea. Right. And so it's like, okay, water fountains are racist. Someone says N-word, that's racist. Yeah. You know, yeah, various yeah. violent things. There's just like, there's like five things that you can do. Dogs, racist, you know. Dogs, dogs, dogs. All dogs are racist. <laughs> exactly. All dogs in movies before 1960 or take place before 1960 even 
yeah. all racist. Yeah, especially no, I still don't that trust bark, bark that's got a hard R in there. <laughs> <laughs> that bark bark got a hard R. <laughs> with a hard R. Bark Damn. with a hard R. <laughs> I've heard that. I've, I have yeah. heard hard R's from dogs before. That's, I hear uh, it every time. Yeah. That's that white dog syndrome, you know, like they're just. Uh... <laughs> yeah, they pick up on their owners' in- insecurities and fears, and oh boy, do they! You want me to bite them? You want me to bite them? You bite? You want me to bite them? Yeah, yeah. You seem nervous. You want me to kill him real quick? <laughs> bite his balls? <laughs> what do you want? I'm gonna just do nip it. a little bit. <laughs> um. Well, yeah, I mean, there's really not much left to the movie. There's the there's only a few key scenes. Taraji B. Henson gives her black sympathy speech where she runs in from the rain. To credit to her Taraji B. Henson for running in heels in this movie. I mean, the, for real, we should give her the black acting school for this. Yeah, that that's that's ninety percent of like what she's doing is running in heels from one location to another. Not only was she doing math, but she had to do it in high heels in the rain. In high heels. Yeah. In the rain. Yep. And she was um, she was a marathon. It's a marathon. Yeah, I will. They the only put criticism- that woman's hair through so much. <laughs> <laughs> the only criticism I have for her is that she she never found a way to really keep her documents together because she always dropped something. Like every oh scene, God. she dropped a thing, and there and there had to have been a better white screenwriting trope where yeah. women are only w- women like, running likeable. into the office in heels. Yes. And losing papers at a alarming yes. rate. There was like some kind of stat, but it's like, it's pretty much solidly whenever there's a female protagonist, they have to be seen as a klutz. Mm. And for some reason that makes people endearing. They can't be good. They can't be too good and competent yeah. and polished because then they're hostile or off-putting or whatever. So they always make the girl trip over something. Mm. Or, oh, mm-hmm. she can never get it together. <laughs> Yeah, it always made me wonder, like, why did you just get a bag? Just put it in a, just get a big bag and put all the stuff in the bag and then you don't, <laughs> you won't drop it. Like, but she's always just like carrying loose papers and stuff and, just and dropping open. them. Yeah. But Jordan, they don't pay her enough for a bag. Oh, they don't pay her enough for <laughs> pearls or anything. You know? <laughs> yeah, she, she goes on this rant because. She doesn't have bag money. uh kevin cosner uh again oblivious to the world around him is just like where is this black woman that we have doing numbers and you know somebody's like oh she's like on a break or something and he's like you know she comes back in and she's like what what do you think you're doing you know for 40 minutes a day taking a break what and she's like i'm going to the bathroom he's like it takes 40 minutes to go to the bathroom and then she gives her indignant speech about how, you know, you know, if you white people only, which, you know, like you, you make me drink from a separate coffee thing. You, I got to go all the way over here to go to the bathroom. Like if you would it, just like quit racist thing, I could do my freaking job. Like, right. it, yeah. And then she walks out and then Kevin Costner <laughs> walks over. It's an outburst that could have never happened. Oh, right? yeah. like, oh no! That's in, I don't. I, in any I circumstance, like even no. to this, it's a fake character that she's giving this big speech to. Mm. None of this would have been possible. No. Well, no. As, as as all black people know, in any all white workspace, you have to basically shrink yourself uh, to almost non-existence just to make it through each day, because even a hint of emotion. 
uh, in a lot of instances will get you on the fast track to HR, you know, like whether it's a email or, you know, you look at somebody a certain way or, you know, people deem you to be aggressive, you know, whether that's just you showing happiness or whatever, like there's really no real line that you can't cross because, you know, anything can be seen as uh in improper behavior. So I would imagine uh, making this kind of speech to your white uh, supervisors would definitely get you, if not fired, uh, like, yeah. you know, at the very least, yeah, no, like, yeah. yeah, they would have shut that shit down before she even got through half of it. But she does get to, to make her full speech as the camera pans over to Jim Parsons and others. And then Kevin Costner just limply walks over to the coffee machine looks at the colored thing and just slowly <laughs> rips it off <laughs> and, 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 and then solved racism and he, well, he was like huh he was just like what hey, who put this here who put this here oh me Oh, I put it here? Oops. Oops. <laughs> uh, and then, and, and then, the, like the room, like the room of stupefied men who are all just, definitely being paid a higher day rate than the black women. Yes. Who are also there to say nothing in mm -hmm. the other building. <laughs> yep. And then the next scene is is the most famous scene of the movie where Kevin Costner gets a crowbar from somewhere and just beats the shit out of a colored only sign. Again, solving racism. Like if it's get, get a sign out of here, I don't like these signs. Yeah. I don't, you know, it's pretty uh, engineering to, to solve racism. <laughs> uh, Amanda, tell Ooh. us, tell us the, uh, the best line from this movie, which comes from the scene. Oh, uh, it is my absolute favorite line in maybe any movie. Um, here at NASA, we all pee the same color. Yep. <laughs> and he says that with gusto as he yeah. walks away with his crowbar while everyone just stares at him like, that's his, what do we do? That's his mic drop moment. Like, that's the that moment is. where everybody suddenly gets it except nobody gets shit because everybody's still racist and that's an that like that scene takes place an hour into the movie and there's a whole other hour so yeah. what happens to those girls after, like in real life if that were to happen like 60 percent of the people who were standing there would as soon as costner walks away start being shitty to them yeah. again yeah. and you know because well, like their authority's been so. challenged yeah, we get well, we get Jim Parsons just being racist to her for like a full 10 minutes after that. And it's just kind of like, what, like, what is the point of this scene? If it's not even that it was supposed to solve racism, but it was placed in such a prominent position and made to feel like such a powerful moment. Mm -hmm. And then when you see that literally nothing changed. I don't know if that was intentional, or just poor filmmaking, where they just put like this crescendo in the wrong place in the middle of the movie and then like the actual yeah. well because does it does it solve okay so here i'm getting into my screenwriting brain mm. does this even solve the major problem because no the major problem doesn't really get solved at the end either no, no. this is treated as like an act to like hurdle to get yeah, over right. and then they get over it and suddenly there's never any problems again about bathrooms mm -hmm. and coffee which obviously there would be like oh, yeah. there would be a whole cold war at the mm -hmm. coffee station. I've literally been in one of those before <laughs> at an office 
where there's a whole fucking language being spoken via mugs and curigs and tea mm-hmm. kettles of uh-huh. like who's putting what where and who's allowed to touch what like it's it's just so it and for people who've lived these experiences it's like so farcical yeah i feel bad for them like i i, I sometimes i want to ask my mom when i see these movies i'm like do you do you feel that <laughs> You think is that does that feel good to you? Does that feel right to you? Mm-hmm. My because mom was like graduated high school in '69. Oh shit! You know? Okay. My mom's a little older. She was in it. She was in it. She was a teenager. She saw this stuff happen. So I have to wonder, like, when you watch movies like this, I, I mean, you live in black neighborhood. If, if you're a black person, you're gonna live in a black neighborhood, right? Yeah. Like uh, my parents, my mother lived in Baltimore in 1969, right? So like, mm-hmm. you're probably experiencing a whole lot of racism, whereas because the city, because a lot of the white people lived in the middle of the city, and then black people started moving in. Yeah. Right. So like that, in this movie, you've got a black woman who moves into their space with little. To, I, I mean, the only violence that happens is. His smashing of the sign. Yep. There is no like further recoil other than Jim Parsons nagging, nagging, blah blah yeah. blah, bazingaing him, bazingaing her. Yeah. You know, like yeah. Even in the fake protesting scene in Racism uh, Town, where like <laughs> it, it, there were a lot of just evocative images, like here's a dog barking, here's a policeman with his baton or hand on his baton, mm-hmm. but like no actual like riot fighting no, no, exactly. on screen it's all just sort of coded as these things could have happened or may have happened we don't yeah. know for may sure. have it's, <laughs> these, it's these are controversial myths and legends that we're talking about here. true right exactly <laughs> well because then we we follow that up with janelle monet's courtroom scene like we saw before and she mm-hmm. basically yeah just like tells this white judge like whoa you were the first person to go to college in your family and you were like the first military person in your family and you did all these first things like don't you want to be first again by allowing me to be the first black woman to like do x y and z and he's kind of like damn it you got me you know what i mean like she you like got she because you read about me and yeah my so ego. gross she it's did so such, it's so nasty i i actually I, I recently, that was the last scene I watched um, hmm. before I had to come record. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> listeners. Uh, but I, uh, but You've seen enough, seen, dude. I, I've, seen, I've also seen it before, but I've also seen enough. <laughs> you watch that scene and the, the judge only lets her across the bar because she's polite. Only lets her talk because she's talking about him. It's... Yeah. So, and it doesn't, it, it actually uses those things as like the novelty of it or the, yeah. no, the nobility, her nobility is that she researched him and looked him up and, you know, inflated his ego and talked about him and talked about what his accomplishments and not about her own because she's about to try to send a guy to space. This guy was, you know, <laughs> this judge, yeah. this judge was, this judge is in the, in the air force. So, you know, and, and you read about me doing that. So therefore I'm going to let you live your life That's- yeah only the night school though he does, he does give her that caveat only um, night school 
but thanks for you know jerking me off in front of my yeah. superiors over here like yeah what? i mean it's so gross because it tells everyone the wrong message for the um billionth time in the movie that exactly. like you need to have this white man in your head to succeed you have to basically be tailoring everything the way you move throughout the world to benefit and aggrandize them or else they won't be nice enough to just mm -hmm. let you have their crumbs yeah. and like that's that's sort of that's not that's just played straight it's not there's no meta commentary there amanda it's it's an uplifting story <laughs> it's inspirational <laughs> don't you want uplift <laughs> So then, uh, yeah, after that, you know, Octavia Spencer gets her scene where she uh, just kind of like touches a computer and it works. And then they're very impressed by that. That's that's basically it. Like they said Vegas for real. Yeah, she uh, they kept her, on doing that. math. Yeah. Taraji uh, gets to go into one of the meetings after, you know, protesting. And then she figures out the math and they send John Glenn to orbit and then he comes back. And that's it. That's the movie. They they that's do the it. the thing about what happened after, you know, and then that's yeah, what it, you know. Never forget the reason for the season. Nationalism, baby. <laughs> <laughs> like we're we're meant to look up to people who work for the, you know, for the colonial power power. Like we need people to be in the Air Force. We need people to be working at NASA. Like we're using all of the like uh, aesthetics of legitimacy that these government institutions bring to sort of make it by extension makes every government institution look more progressive mm -hmm. than it is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, anyway. that, that part. <laughs> well, let's let's get a little bit into the reception of this movie because people did love this movie, like in a way that it's like it's not green book in the sense of i mean it didn't go on to win like all the awards it was i mean you know people won some it was nominated though yeah nominated we can get uh, into that um, and you know it wasn't it was but it was received in a similar way where like this is like what should be aspired to right like this is a great story that's inspirational about black people and you know it's it's you know, kind of a display for these black actresses to, you know, get some, you know, leading roles and, and good screen it's time. It's telling the story of, you know, these black women who, you know, should have been honored a long time ago. And now, you know, they're finally getting, you know, their, their chance to be recognized and, you know, history and in terms of their contributions to, you know, the space race and all that stuff. And so, you know, like you, look at what people had to say about it and you know i'll just read a few other reviews from uh rotten tomatoes where you know a lot of it does come down to like feel good you know like great performances etc cetera, etc cetera. you know this from uh jenna moretta from indiewire hidden figures presented three billion black women who just wanted to do their jobs <laughs> there is another from the ringer uh, chaos and collins uh, the performers are warm and good humored without exception it is an absolutely an inspirational movie you can kind of keep going down the list where keywords feel good inspirational 
educational, mm-hmm. entertaining, really just a lot of glowing reviews. On Rotten Tomatoes, it's got a 93%. The audience score is 93%. On IMDb, it's got a 7.8, you know, so almost an 8 out of 10. That's pretty high for IMDb. Pretty high. So generally, like very, 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 very well received, right? If you go to the Academy Awards, like uh, it got nominated for Best Picture, Octavia got nominated for Best Supporting Actress, it got nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay, let's see, Golden Globes, Best Original Score, shout out to Pharrell, Uh, Octavia also got, you know, Best Supporting Actress, NAACP Image Awards, it cleaned up. You know, Outstanding Actress in the Motion Picture, Taraji won that. Outstanding Motion Picture, it won that. Outstanding Song, I See Victory, mm-hmm. which I don't, I don't, I think that was the, <laughs> No one remembers that fucking Don't one. remember that song. I think that was the, the end credit song. I didn't say. I walked out, left. Movie was over. Writers Guild of America, you know, got nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay, so. That's a funny one. Yeah, I think. The Writers you know, Guild? Yeah. Yeah, it's all white dudes. Um, (laughs) works out but yeah and NAACP awards obviously no surprise for a lot of reasons but for me it's like it's the respectability jumps out yeah (laughs) this is this is this is definitely respectability the movie (laughs) along with Green Book where you know you you really do wonder when movies like this get this level of praise and I will say that this movie is less offensive than green book like just out on its face as a movie like i wasn't watching this and like actively disgusted what i was seeing i rolled my eyes i was like this is bullshit you know like this is all kind of just feel good fluff but like it wasn't it didn't really reach the level of like oh my god i can't believe they're trying to pull this bullshit off until offensiveness at that point until you get into some of the bullshit from the director of this movie because they had some comments and some things to say that when you did yeah when you hear it you're just kind of like huh okay (laughs) um (laughs) so this is from uh, theodore melfi who is the director of this movie in response to critics and people talking specifically about the bathroom scene and insinuating that you know, that's that's where Kevin Cosner became like, you know, full white savior, you know, person. So in response to that, he had to say, there needs to be white people who do the right thing. There needs to be black people who do the right thing. And someone does the right thing. And so who cares who does the right thing as long as the right thing is achieved? Wow. Uh, so- Wow, just the, <laughs> he really did some jujitsu there. I was like, oh, 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 whoa. Yeah. They're, always tr- they're always trying some fake objective take it's like yeah. no no <laughs> well yeah this like, is supposed they, to be based on a true story and he didn't exist and he didn't and no one did that <laughs> <laughs> well i mean first of all what, you what gotta nonsense is this think about that because <laughs> like boom, boom. i don't know this is kind of similar to when we're talking about green book vigo was basically insinuating like you know uh, who 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 gets to monopolize these movies right like who 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 gets to say who gets to make these movies like why can't we make these movies white people um, it's like, and, you did you already yeah. did an art you're doing our, it you're actively doing it 
Yeah. yeah. You are currently on a, a very expensive press tour that a studio is paying top dollar for in a way that they aren't doing for some other movie that was mm. directed by a Black person who's probably going to get maybe a 15th of that marketing budget. So, you know, it's like yeah. all of the ways that people are, are so willfully ignorant, like within their own industry and think that they can yeah. even like portray a similar dynamic in another industry with any good faith or, or, mm -hmm. or honesty. Like it's, it's a fucking joke to expect that from them. Well, he's, he's telling on himself right here because yeah. when you say there needs to be white people who do the right thing for who, right? Yeah. <laughs> who needs that? <laughs> really need is that? Holding in on itself, <laughs> because I, I, if you're telling me that this is a movie made for white people and they need to see themselves doing the right thing, are they incapable of understanding what the right thing is? Like so much of it is they know they know what the right thing is. They just right. don't want to do that because it's inconvenient to them. Like that's it's not about recognizing. You know what? That's literally the thing they're <laughs> overcoming in these movies is yeah. your ambivalence. Yeah. Right. And so Dexter Thomas of Vice News uh, shot back at these comments by saying, in this case, it means that a white person doesn't have to think about the possibility that if they were around back in the 1960s South, they might have been one of the bad ones, which is very true in the sense of if you're having Kevin Costner basically be white surrogate in this movie, like the, the mm -hmm. white person that white people can see themselves as like, the idea that it's necessary for somebody to step in because in history, sure, white people have stepped up and, and, and spoken against racism and done things to advance black people and, and basically put themselves in line. I mean, you think about the right. same. Right, but like, where's the percentage? You know, it's like, right. where's how the many percentage? of them have ever done anything like that? There's like, there's like six of those people and we just keep <laughs> hearing about them. Right. And they died. Yeah, like none of them of that. You know, so it's it's this oh, idea that like, well, if if we don't show white people doing the right thing, like how are they going to know what the right thing is? How are they going to know? Yeah. But whether or not there were white people doing quote unquote the right thing in this situation, that's not what the movie's about, right? Exactly. The movie's supposed to be about these three black women and their amazing accomplishments, you know, during this times of the space race. So to have Kevin Cosner inserted into this movie to be to do, do the right thing, do good white man. Yeah. Like, and what does he really do? Right. Because he doesn't really help Taraji. He's not doing it, he's not doing it because Taraji needs it. Yeah. He's doing it right. because the space program needs it. Right. There's yeah, a lot. It was literally the, the most efficient and like most probable and efficient option was to use her, you know? And okay, right. we need to move a bathroom closer so that I can have her in this desk constantly cranking out numbers for, I'm, for yeah, 35 more minutes like, a day. I'm, like that's what this was about. Like yeah. I'm not getting enough exploitation out of you because I put your bathroom too far away. Yeah. <laughs> Because he didn't pay her more money. No, no raises. <laughs> I heard nothing about raises in this movie. Yeah, well, and then I heard, I heard about actively not paying you more. Right. right. 
Well, because he said that so many times. There's also that scene where he effectively fires her, right? Because they're like, hey, you know, we have a supercomputer now, so like we can get you out the paint. But you know, it's like, but but wait a minute, weren't you just ending racism like two minutes ago? And now she's no longer of use to you so let's just Not fire her look, like we can't even find a it's different the most thing honest part of the movie honestly <laughs> because it, it sells out the reality of these situations it's one of the few moments that shows you like a glimmer of reality because that's what these robots and computers were made for like yeah. robot literally means slave in some eastern european language <laughs> so it's like yeah. yeah for for me it's like it's interchangeable the idea is to have a class of some things that do your work for you mm -hmm. that you don't have to ever consider the health and safety of mm -hmm. well melfi didn't like all this talk about him making a white savior character uh, <laughs> he said that it was hurtful to him uh it was and hurtful to me and he followed it up by saying it was very upsetting to me because I am at a place where I've lived my life colorless. And I grew up in Brooklyn. Oh I walked God, to school. Chill. I walked to school with they people of all shapes, sizes and colors. And that's how I've lived my life. So it's very upsetting chill. that we still have to have this conversation. I get upset when I hear black film. And so does Taraji P. Henson. It's just a film. And if we keep labeling something a black film or a white film, basically it's modern day segregation. We're all humans. Any nope. human can tell any human story. I don't want to have this conversation about black film or white film anymore. I want to have conversations about film. So, <laughs> you can conversate about film over there with white people and leave our people alone. Stop making movies about black people if you're so colorblind and grew up in Brooklyn where the right. schools were desegregated and you had nothing to do with that. And and <laughs> PS, New York City schools, most segregated schools in America. Yeah, yeah, especially now. They're more segregated now than they were 50 years ago. So that's not even a flex. Like that's yeah, exactly. Get out of my. It's face like when someone that. brags about like growing up in Evanston or something. You're like, okay, yeah. <laughs> we get Relax. it. Yeah. Relax. You've got a. You've got some yard signs. Yeah. <laughs> you've got I, I, a love is love yard sign. I get it. I love how he throws Taraji under the bus with him. Uh, yeah, that's but... <laughs> the only way it would have been validated. It's so bad. I hate when people do that. And like my friend thinks it, my black friend says so too. Like he, that's what he said. He was like, my yeah. black friend says so too. She thinks so the same way I do. Just, yep. Why don't so, we all just stop having this weird old conversation? Let's get back to how much money this movie's going to make me. Right. It's it's so weird that white people who choose to make movies about black people, nobody's making you make Green Book. Nobody's making you make <laughs> The Help. Nobody's making you make right. figures. You so chose some to executive's make idea. It was some executive's idea to hire this man. Yeah, but well, like that's part you, of the problem. You made the movie you made, right? Like, yeah, he could have said, no, this isn't like, this isn't slavery. Right. <laughs> this, this isn't the studio system. <laughs> but to come, to come out after valid criticism of your film and to be like, you know who's wrong? Black people. Because <laughs> I grew up in Brooklyn. You watched my movie wrong. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> 
it's just like what like who who is this helping like what do you think people are going to hear that who are you trying to get over on uh i I don't know i I hear you speak you know you're literally saying the very thing that your movie is trying to expel the myths of Mm -hmm. you're ridiculous (laughs) you're ridiculous you're ridiculous um so yeah there's there's just several things like that like it's not just the inclusion of the bathroom scene but the inclusion of kevin costner's character the inclusion of jim parsons character the inclusion of kirsten dunce's character as these composite characters of some people but it gets quite possible it gets worse though when you hear from the actual people who lived through these things and also from Margaret Lee Shetterly who wrote the book because there's a lot of stuff that they're just like yeah no that didn't happen like this is all fake basically uh Katherine Johnson is on record saying that like NASA was not like that at all like there was racism just as like it's just a general thing of the times but like she did not face any of the racism that was in this movie like even the idea of the bathroom scene she was working in what in the movie is the west end building she did move over to what is called the east end building she did not know that there were not segregated bathrooms in that building because there there's no signage there was nothing telling her that you know this was a bathroom designated for her so she just mm-hmm. used the bathroom like she just went to the bathroom and like one time one person said something about it and she kept going to the bathroom like she just unbothered and continued to do what she was doing so like Pharrell wrote that song on a lie <laughs> he wrote that song on a lie so if it, if it really happened to anybody, it happened to Mary Johnson, Janelle Monet's character, who was working in a building that didn't have bathrooms, colored bathrooms, and so she had to use the bathroom on the other side. But the other thing about it is this movie takes place in 1961. In 1958, NASA had completely desegregated everything. You know, like <laughs> it, it, was, it was already a wrap. So like, not this to say that there... Yeah, not to say that there wasn't racism, you know, or, or any racial tensions, but to say that like the it's idea- more, of, It's a more genteel, you know, like nobody is gonna like harass you in the hallways, but they're yeah. just gonna not pay you well and right. you know, stuff like that, classic yeah. stuff. There was, there was a lot of stuff where like you can probably see where uh, just racial sensibilities of the time would creep into people's conversations or, you mm-hmm. know, interactions between people. But for the most part, Katherine Johnson was like, it was, a, it, we were all working. Like it was a job. Like it wasn't like there was too much going on to be racist, but like, you know, in the heat of what we were doing, like, you know, I was a valued member of the team. I had to do these calculations. Like there are true elements like John Glenn did personally ask for her to double check those calculations before he took off. Um, Like that is a true part. All of the things that, like a lot of the things that happened did happen. They just didn't happen the way that the movie depicts them. Like Dorothy Vaughn 
was given that position, but she was promoted in 1949. So she had been... Oh, this movie played <laughs> bait and switch with a lot of these facts. It was just like, only cherry pick this part. Yeah, they, like, they put these women yeah. on the same timeline. They didn't even really yeah. work yeah. together. Yeah. They yeah. might as well be amalgams of each other at this point. I mean, their friendship was yeah. an amalgamation because it's not like they didn't know each other, but they were all kind of working in different parts of the uh the program and doing different things like mary jackson janelle Monáe's character did get like she is the first black you know engineer and the first female engineer but she did that in 1958 again three years before this movie takes place and she didn't have to do all the stuff she did in the movie she just asked the city for an exception and it was granted so that wouldn't uh, hurt so much if she wasn't <laughs> the one in the movie to say what year it is yeah <laughs> right that wouldn't hurt so much if that wasn't the case an interesting thing about Katherine johnson is that she was a genius like she did unfortunately pass away last year um in february but like she graduated high school at 14 she graduated college at 18 and her father drove her like 120 miles to school like she lived in a part of west virginia that you could only go to or black people could only go to school up to eighth grade. Uh, and so he had to drive her basically across the state uh, to another part of West Virginia that black people could like finish high school and then go to college. And so like, that's amazing, right? Like he did that for all right. of his children. And so like, she and is- That's amazing. a more interesting story. The movie is un too uncomfortable with showing you those things. Right. And I, well, I think that leads us into how yeah. we would make this into a, a better movie. And I yeah. think a better movie is really just a documentary. Like, I feel like... Make, <laughs> I think I agree with you here, too. Yeah, yeah. to make a dramatization... The story is so much more interesting. And you get to really know these women more. And, you know, like, unfortunately, I think... All, like, Katherine Johnson was the only one alive at the time that this movie came time. out. So... You know, it might be difficult. I'm sure, um, hopefully, there's archival footage of all of these women speaking about their experiences at NASA. And, you know, definitely you could get other, because, you know, like that that West End computing division was also a real thing. Like there were also all these other Black women that were working there. But right. I'm sure there was so much more to all of them than just what you kind of get glimpses of in this movie. And so to hear them actually talk themselves or get accounts from them about what it was like to work there is more to me a much more interesting film than to see whatever this was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, big time agree. Whatever I watch. Uh, but yeah, what do you guys think? Yeah, I think like a documentary or you know, I honestly, if you did, if you did a biopic of like individual folks, that might make more sense because then you right. get get more time for context and family and upbringing and and like the actual trials that people go through to get good at their jobs. Mm -hmm. um, but like, I really like the documentary style. If we're, if we were just straight up adapting that book yeah. again, it would absolutely be a documentary. We would be able yeah. to fit a lot more in and we would be able to ask much more important questions. Like also, why are we even doing this? Like why, what you know what possesses someone to go through so many hoops to do a very difficult job for the same hegemonic power that is mm -hmm. making their lives so difficult um you know it's there's there are a lot of questions to yeah. ask about like how it must have felt to be in it during yeah. all of that shit 
you know, I think there probably is some cognitive dissonance on, on every level, like to, to be able to go to work every day while all of this chaos is happening in the world, sure. in, in your backyard. Yeah, there's just so much more to the story that the movie is like working its hardest to like, keep <laughs> you from knowing. Cameron, what do you think? I mean, I have to agree with you guys. Uh, I feel like I, my third eye has been opened. Mm. You know, I didn't, I, I saw this as the- You ready to better. ascend my brother. Yeah. yeah, yeah, man, the next level, I'm ready to go to the next level with this because this was some bullshit, even though, even though it was like well-produced, well-made, I think a docket, I would rather have the facts. I yeah. would rather know what actual thing happened rather than the fake bathroom moment or like, mm. You know, I, I don't need racism light. I'm a grown fucking man, you know? <laughs> when you pull back and really look at it, it's just like... It's so base. It's so yeah. kind of banal, honestly. But too, right, kind of to speak to this and Green Book and other movies similar to it, the danger, the inherent danger of these movies is that they're a lie, right? Like there's a, a bit of truth sprinkled into what is a majority a lie. And so people walk away from this movie thinking, I know something now, I learned something. Like I know more right. about history when it's like, well, none of that actually <laughs> happened, you know, or it did happen, but not in the way that the movie's portraying it. And it's not that there is a debt that these movies have to be 1000% historically accurate because sometimes you gotta, you know, to make it a movie, to make it an interesting fictional narrative, like you have to kind of do certain things because timelines sure, don't connect movie. or, yeah, yeah, exactly. right. Sure. Yeah, yeah, there's always gonna pages. be shortcuts. Yeah, sure. but, but to, you know, it doesn't count misrepresenting racism itself. Yeah. 1961 <laughs> as a year, <laughs> 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 like the Gregorian calendar. Right in the face of, but like, yeah, misrepresenting what racism is and how it how it operates in the mm -hmm. world, and um, you know, absolving all of the white characters in the movie, all in of different them, ways, you know, whether whether it's literally just them being silent, yeah. like the the you know, I'm so tired of of that trope where it's like they're stunned. They've been called out and they're stunned. They say nothing. They don't right. ever do anything. Mm -hmm. But it's like they like. What are we supposed to get out of that? Like, who? When do we get to see the character arc of all these all the people who were purportedly treating all of mm -hmm. our, our our hidden figures so poorly? Like, we don't mm -hmm. get come up and really well, or any real like. Oh, you know what? I see how this is wrong. Because yeah. ultimately, the movie believes in the premise of the, what actually happened, that these women are only as valuable as the most consumable attributes that they have, which is yeah. this talent. And we're not interested in what their lives are really like, other than the four things that we think people will understand. Mm -hmm. so, it's, so it's good for all four quadrants of the film audience. Um, right. Yeah, it just completely misrepresents everybody in an attempt to create um, a, a type of product that makes you feel like you did something radical just by consuming something. Mm -hmm. it's like, you know, we, we love that here. We love, we love <laughs> racial capitalism. We love being told that buying something will buy you out of racial capitalism. Mm, yep. 
you know yeah. it's it's yeah it's a funny well, game because these movies feel like an accomplishment for some people right like i yeah. saw whatever whatever the movie is like they're I, like I, give me a cookie because i saw a movie that has black people in it yeah i witnessed <laughs> i witnessed this and now i have because even like the idea of jim parsons character right like he is racist until he's not racist and we know he's not racist because at the very end of the movie he gives taraji some coffee and lets her write her name on the report and now I guess they're friends and colleagues and all these other things, but it's like the the, the base of, minimum, right? Yeah. You know, like here. the truth about just being black in an office or workspace. So much of the time is like people always are like, "How do you deal with racism?" And you know, and it's like, well, where am I gonna work that's not racist? <laughs> like, if you can find me, <laughs> yeah, a majority exactly. white space that is not racist that I could work at like let me know but for the most part it's just an assumption that that shit's going to happen like at some point somebody's going to say something or do something whether it's a microaggression or a macroaggression where you're just like all right and you can't really do anything about it because then you get fired right like you just right, have to right, eat it right. and move on exactly. and, and that's basically what these women had to do was just like I you know I guess you know this is what's happening today but I got you know, I gotta, I gotta do the numbers. Numbers ain't gonna number themselves. You know, I gotta get out here and, <laughs> and do this math. But you know, just the knowing that, like, if I lose this job, so many other things are on the line. Like, I can't afford to not work. So, like, these are the concessions that I make to be in this space because otherwise. I wouldn't have a job. So and again, yeah. it's not a choice where black people, because, and this is the last thing, like the trope of dignity, right? In these movies where it's like my dignity, like it's the only thing that I, I have, I hold it in the highest esteem. If you go against my dignity, it's like the ultimate like disrespect to me as a person where it's not that black people didn't have dignity or don't have dignity or any of that stuff. But like when you think about just what, you have to endure you know on a daily basis to just like if you took everything as the ultimate slight like you couldn't get out of bed you know what i mean like it was just yeah. too much like there's so much that happens just it just flies right by you like oftentimes you don't realize how racist the thing was until an hour later, later when you think about yeah. it where you're just like wait they said what like, <laughs> like me in this so movie awesome. i didn't realize how, how white this shit was until the second time around a little bit so you know if every single thing is the ultimate affront to your dignity and your dignity is like the the only thing of value that you own as a person it's just like how, how do you even exist like how would you even make it through a day if like everything these white people did totally destroyed your self-worth and an image of self right like that's what it means to be black is like to affirm your own self and your own identity and like the, your own cultural identity because america is constantly telling you that it's not worth shit so like if you woke up every day and just had to like do a dignity check you know before you left the door oh boy like, no. <laughs> like and it's not even that black people are like selling their dignity out to like work at nasa or anything like that but it's just like what this movie purports to be like the ultimate you know for so many black people and this ties back into their respectability respect, yeah. respectability politics right of and it so all. much of that respectability politic is like the same thing that we sometimes expect of artists that you are 
sort of expected to do this for the love of it or something like yeah. and yeah. Mm-hmm. you know you don't focusing on dignity and respect is a great way of avoiding the real material issue of them being financially exploited mm-hmm. you know it's never the the question is never answered if they get uh, a, a, a salary commensurate to their to their white peers <laughs> it's never answered whether someone finally gets the title they deserve even though they've been a supervisor all this time mm. um it's it i don't there's no scene where any of the individual women are rewarded institutionally for mm-hmm. all of the extra work that they clearly did just to remain where they were um i think you missed the part where (laughs) you missed the part where jim parsons gave her a coffee like that was the compensation that she (laughs) was working so hard to get (laughs) but that's true too like when you like dignity dignity oftentimes in these movies is equated to white affirmation right like white Mm -hmm. people finally say thanks you matter matter. you know yeah we we see you on the head good job boy great job for (laughs) for being the most exceptional of your kind i guess you can work near like not next to us that's too close but like you can be around us and we will acknowledge you sometimes and basically (laughs) yeah so it's just like if that's if that's what this movie is telling me that i should aspire to like no thanks i'm good i've (laughs) got more to do than that but I I, right. I always wonder when you hear feel good and like inspirational and like all these other things surrounding these movies like again for who how so like what are you really trying to communicate with that language because I am inspired by Katherine Johnson as like somebody who's just yeah an amazing mm-hmm. human being as a person as a yeah as a person right. as a person who accomplish something incredible in general right but like if you are telling me well you got to be Katherine Johnson if you want to get any of this like you really got to start hitting those books and it's just like well what about people who aren't exceptional and it yeah and it, it completely corroborates like all of that logic corroborates in the real world the way that you know if someone gets killed if they weren't katherine johnson they were no angel right right like mm-hmm. but even you know, if they were katherine johnson the most yeah like even if they were katherine johnson they'll find a photo mm-hmm. where there maybe their eyes look a little red <laughs> or something right, right, be like right. look at them <laughs> um yeah it's it's just it it all plays the same role in society and like i'm there's a lot of willful ignorance around yeah. connecting those dots. Mm-hmm. Well, let's get to our caucasity meter for this movie. Uh, for people who are new to the show, we've got three levels of caucasity. We've got uh, shorts in the winter, which is like, you know, why are you doing that? It's not hurting me, but I'm, I'm, I'm concerned for you. This seems like something that a rational person wouldn't do, but you seem to just be doing it to prove a point. So, I mean, good job, but, uh, <laughs> you know, not, not hurting me, but questionable, concerning. No, why nonsense? <laughs> yeah. Uh, the <laughs> second level is this movie is touching my hair, which is so not white nonsense, but it's affecting me now. Right. You're in my space. You're touching me. I wish you would stop. You know, like there's 
a certain level of of harm that's being done like you're it's not yes. the highest you're level me. you're affecting me yeah but like this is you've crossed a line now into my space and you're you're doing harm the highest level of our capacity meter is taylor swift's cover of september which is just like you've done too much <laughs> like you you're you've, actively causing harm and you're doing you're doing inverse the work is you're not doing the work anymore you're doing yeah this inverse. is a hate you're crime taking away it's yeah. a hate crime at this point yeah well you're you're yeah. you're stepping in and you think you're yeah. really doing something you think you're improving upon something that didn't need you at all stepping over the line you're stepping over the line yeah and so it's just like the the highest level of harm is being done actually so i'm going to make an executive decision here and you know as much as i love the idea of taylor swift's cover of September being the the ultimate I'm gonna for this episode I'm gonna change it to Jeff Bezos dick rocket <laughs> yeah uh, Jeff Bezos <laughs> dick rocket and uh, like having the gall to thank all of his Amazon employees who can't literally cannot use yeah, the bathroom either yeah <laughs> yeah for uh, building his rocket for him they're the uh, real hidden figures here right. <laughs> I'll go first I'll say this is like this is almost touching my hair right like it's getting to a point where I'm, I'm feeling uncomfortable about a lot of things like it's not the harm is more so just in the misappropriation of like history like just the total mm -hmm. mistelling of truth and really like no harm is done to Catherine Johnson or sentiment is the same yeah right. like no harm nothing, is actually right yeah I was just gonna say like you're right like nothing you know horrific happens to them in the way that I think some white audiences would expect because mm -hmm. that they expect black pain. Um, but it also doesn't give her enough grace or humanity for it to feel like this movie has put this character on the same echelon as other, as like your Aaron Brockovich's, for example, <laughs> like other like movies like this where it's about a real person who did a good thing yeah um you know it's it's not being given the same mythology and the same identify with this person um treatment you're not yeah. meant to identify with them it's you know so yeah it's and it's also it's also racism light you know it's like downplaying actual history yeah. and, and racism <laughs> you know in ways that aren't as dangerous as other films but are like misleading and you know for a lot of people who just don't want to deal with any of this like it is like a see you know like we did we we let those negroes do math like we we gave yeah. them you know that opportunity and like look how good they did like we feel good about that but again not really asking like why was it so hard for them to do that if they were so smart and so right. you know like above and beyond anyways like why why did it become this whole struggle or why is it even amazing that they were able to do that if like we're just looking at them as as people right we're all the same right. so like why yeah, is it more acceptable is that these women yes. did it than anybody in general but anyways uh karen what did you what did you think? I mean, like you said, like you said, it's just, it's touching my hair almost, but not really. It's, uh, I'd rather, I'd rather see a documentary of just these yeah. events. It, it was nice that this movie got made. It was nice that, you know, people got to go to award shows and they got to see some black people go to some award shows. But yeah, at the end of the day, it wasn't as great as 
I purported to be. I thought it was <laughs> so. Yeah. Uh, that's 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 my verdict on hidden figures. Kind of a whiff, a little bit, honestly. Mm. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm into that. I, I I would say that this is definitely touching my hair. Just like being a woman and embodying a lot of the same roles that these that our hidden figures have embodied in different work contexts, like there were there are a lot of moments where you're like this is a time when this person would go to the restroom and sob you know mm-hmm. where you know there are a lot of moments where you're just like no, the writers are not thinking about how the main characters the the supposed main characters are actually thinking and feeling um it's it's always just whatever's the most obvious that the white screenwriters can imagine yeah. um and for me that it, it it it's so much more insulting because these are women that are you know sort of it, it's taken for granted that they're taken for granted it's expected and then celebrated and then you know and but things stay the same because ultimately they need these women to stay exactly where they are so that they can keep extracting the work that they need from them. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. Whether, you know, they consented to it or not. I mean, obviously who wouldn't want to work at NASA? It's like, if you live in America and, you know, this is your dream, this is the place you would end up. But that's the downside is that you're, you're helping a, a nation state do put a white guy in space and all of your math is in favor of putting this white man in space and no, and no blow up. And like, you know, can you do math? So he no blow up. Okay. Yes. And it's like, well, no one else can figure out how to make him not blow up, but you can. And for some reason, we're not going to make your life a little easier so that you can do it, you know, and and then the bathroom happens and then that's like, (laughs) and then the coffee. And so it's, it's so insulting. It feels like it reminded me of so many times when people are literally walking on your back at work because it's expected that you're gonna stay late and finish the thing that someone else decided can wait another day and you're you know expected to be the one who doesn't use their pto you know like all Mm -hmm. of those like little ways that the the attitudes that are paid towards you know mary and 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 uh catherine like it's just it's, it's more of the same kind of almost, it's like a math mammy, basically. <laughs> like they're, they save the day. They don't ask for more than what the white people around them are willing to give them. Yeah. Um, and when they do, it's just like a little bit, it's something that's like obvious sure. and that like people can't really contest that much. So it's not meaningful in any way for the actual like black person in the scenario so like every every element of this is framed to serve whiteness in a way that ultimately is the opposite effect of what a movie like this is intending to do Mm -hmm. and like it makes me mad (laughs) that there are little girls watching movies like this sometimes because it's like yeah this is better than fucking the little mermaid or whatever like i grew up with some real trash (laughs) but at least like it was very clear that I wasn't being represented and I had parents that were making that very clear to me and Mm -hmm. showing me what the difference was but like with something like hidden figures it's so sinister because it's framed in such a glowing positive 
like shiny neoliberal target ad kind of way Mm -hmm. that makes everybody feel good and it's so easy Mm -hmm. to buy in on that bandwagon um it's you know like you said racism light it's a kind of it's a kind of story about racism that everyone can agree on because they can pretend it was in the past they can pretend that all these women are fine now oh look at all that they achieved don't don't ask them if uh if any of them were able to get their medical bills paid don't Mm. ask if any of them you know if their kids got to go to college you know because seeing what really happened after putting the man on the moon just makes me so much more mad thinking about and watching it a second time and going god damn it this movie would have reinforced all of the people pleasing um tactics that i had to learn to get through an all-white school to get through all white employment situations and so it's just like god damn it like nothing's changed and now we're telling another generation to do the same thing that we did um anyway yeah i mean it's in my hair and it won't get out (laughs) (laughs) yeah they didn't show the part uh after katherine johnson's all that where she wanted to move into a white neighborhood and they told her that she couldn't uh, so, you know, like all of that stuff where I a hundred percent agree, you know, you see all of these like moments of triumph and like, look how like incredible they were in this time and in this moment. But when you kind of zoom out a little bit to like show the whole of what it was to live in that time, it's like, you know, I'm getting uh, some crumbs here, you know, like you're giving me like a little bit because you view me as better or more valuable than the others. But like, I still can't do basic shit that I should yeah. be able to do. Like, I'm not getting a loan from a bank. You know, I can't, I can't show my NASA credentials, you know, to them and be like, yeah. I, but you know, this white guy on the moon and be like, you know, thanks. Bye. Yeah, exactly. Like, Denied. I... <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, so shout out to Whitey on the moon. Um, <laughs> done, done. And uh, yeah, and just shout to... out Scott Heron, you know, <laughs> for sure. So to wrap things up, uh, Amanda, tell us a little bit about what you are working on now and where people can find you on the internet. Uh, sure. Uh, so uh, I'm Amanda Meadows. Uh, I'm an editor at Oni Press. You can find books that uh, I've edited on onipress.com and anywhere books are sold. Um, I am a lead editor for Limerence Press as well. So uh, the Quick and Easy Guides, I highly recommend getting a Quick and Easy Guide to Consent, um, which came out recently and is a very important topic. Speaking of don't touch my hair and, <laughs> um, and Orcs in Space, our, our new uh, crazy sci-fi monthly series by Justin Roiland and Friends. Um, I also edited and it's out now. You can get, uh, I think, issues uh, one, two, and three, and uh, they all have really cool variants. Uh, yeah, and I'm on Twitter at Amandonium, uh, Amanda as if it were an element, and uh, on Instagram at Megamander. Um, you know, I'm just chilling there, not doing, not doing anything too big. <laughs> but, nice. uh, but yeah, big. you can look at my plants and cats. Nice. Big, nice. Humble, big humble vibes over here. <laughs> Cameron, what about you? I'm Cameron Mason. You can find me at on Twitter or Instagram at the Blipster1138. That's the Blipster Black Hipster mm. at 11. Uh, the Blipster 1138. 
Yeah. You can find my ramblings and pictures there. <laughs> nice. Yeah, and I'm Jordan Clark. You can find me on the internet, jrsosa1818, Twitter and Instagram. Working on stuff. Stuff is coming. Books are coming. I'll update that later. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, If you want to get in touch with us, you can reach us at whitepeoplewon'tsaveyoupod at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter, white underscore pod. If you want to suggest movies for us to watch, if you want to suggest your own revisions to some of these films, if you just want to yell at us, I guess, you know, that's That's the internet. internet Yeah. But I predicted it would be a great episode. It is a great episode. So, you know, it's it's all about just, you know, speaking it into existence, I guess. Is, we is manifested this episode. Yeah, for we sure. Really did. Yeah. Thanks so much for joining us, Amanda. This was great. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to all of my rants. And <laughs> <laughs> this movie like unlocked some some like ang- hidden anger in me that I forgot that I had for this movie. That's so, the sequel, Hidden you. Anger. Uh, (laughs) well uh yeah thanks everybody for listening i guess do do all the things you do for podcasts rate us uh subscribe to us give us stars uh all that stuff five of them yeah five of them things all the stars yeah and we'll we'll be back to save you next week thanks for listening peace You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. <laughs>